Alrighty, welcome back. I'm Conrad, that's Duncan and Drew, and we are Stranger by the Dozen. I'm Duncan, I'm the one standing over here. Uh, and I'm Drew, and we're... The kill count in me and Duncan's battle is astronomical at this point. But it's still just strangers, so don't worry. Yeah, it's fine. Hey, all those places, it's like late at night, so they're all deserted, I'll have you know. But anyway, just a reminder that you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, and on any fine podcast app. Give the show a a five-star review, and I'll read the review on the air. In our last episode, Doctor Strange was stabbed in the back, seemingly to death, by Silver Dagger, and Clea was kidnapped. What happens next, Duncan? So, the next issue, Doctor Strange Volume 2, which was released on August 1974, is a separate reality. Steve Englehart is the author and co-plotter with Frank Brunner, who is the artist and colorist as well. So that dude is putting in work. (laughs) Dick Giordano, still just inks. Uh, Joe Constanza is lettering. And Roy Thomas is still editing. And I gotta say, this comic is so rad. The art is super intense. I spent more time, like, pouring over, like, just the the illustrations that I did for the actual story. But that's not a knock against the story, because I think that the story is also super rad. And it kicks us off right where we left off with Silver Dagger having stabbed Strange in the back. And now he has imprisoned Clea. And in front of Clea, he cuts the head off of Stephen Strange. And the, it causes the head to like, roll into Clea's lap. Yeah. And Silver Dagger is, you know, just making all these sort of threats and stuff, but Clea and the more astute readers of the comic will notice that Strange's eyes were, like, completely white. And it turns out that it's just a mannequin or a wax statue of him. Mm-hmm. And so because uh, the Silver Dagger has gained the Eye of Agamotto, he can now destroy all of the magic in the world and then convert Clea to his religion, but they never say what, so I'm not even going to pretend to guess at that one. They'll get into it later. Yeah. Oh, you're right. They do. I think it's interesting, though, like, you get Silver Dagger's internal monologue here, and he thinks that Clea is, like, a hippie, like, a hippie runaway that has glommed on to Doctor Strange like he's a cult leader or something. Oh, yeah. As opposed to, you know the former queen of an alien dimension exiled because of politics involving the Dread Dormammu and stuff. Well, she doesn't really have her weird hair anymore, so it's not really that apparent. Yeah, exactly. But, like, she's wearing her full, like, demon princess uh, costume and stuff. Oh, yeah, she does have that massive collar on it. Yeah. I don't think that Silver Dagger is going to be judging anyone on their, like, clothing, though, because he is wearing, like, fishnets and a garter belt. It's true. Also, his midriff is exposed. Was exposed, and I don't know what kind of religion he's like purporting to support. But man, I don't want anything part of it. He's got a killer six pack, man. You got to show that off. <laughs> if I had a killer so, six pack, I'd wear only belly shirts. That's just a fact for me to you. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, he, I guess, just tortures Clea for no reason because he's trying to get inside her head, and then he decides to just storm off to his room, and he consults the Eye of Agamotto to discover the fate of Doctor Strange. Which he could have done if he just hung out for like a couple more seconds and watched him have been stabbed to death. But what are you going to do? He had things to do and, and people to brainwash. So as luck would have it though, Strange isn't dead. He's merely been sucked inside uh, the orb of Agamotto and is now just floating around aimlessly. Uh, and he is looking for a way out when suddenly through the haze appears the Soul Eater. And Strange is like, Soul Eater? Oh, how'd dip. You, how'd you get that name? And then the Soul Eater says, 
Nothing. He just rips Strange's soul out of his body and eats it. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you ask a silly question like that. So Strange is now inside the Soul Eater, and he finds himself in this dense briar that's just covered with these wailing faces, and they're all super negative, which is what you would expect from people in that sort of, like, hellscape. So they're talking about how escape is futile and this, that, and the other thing, but me and Strange ain't trying to hear that, and we're all like, ain't nothing gonna break my stride. And then he just flies off towards the monster's brain, and he's, like, firing lasers, like, all over the inside of this creature. And uh, it's, you know, just doing... He, he's pretty much, like, if I don't even make it to the brain, I'm still gonna laser blast everything I see. Yeah. Meanwhile, That's my move, too. Yeah. So, meanwhile, outside of Hedwig, the angry inchworm, is Silver Surfer rolls up, and he's, like, really sad that he wasn't able to save whoever that was from just getting eaten. He doesn't recognize that it's... Uh, Doctor Strange, but yeah. he's still bummed out because he let someone down. But the Soul Eater actually comes to cr- to a crash and like falls. Well, there's no ground, but he just like falls and lands on nothingness. Yeah, um, there might be like a flying rock or something like that. There's like some land in this spacescape. It's hard to tell, you know. Yeah, but so Strange and the Silver Surfer uh, get to talking, and the Silver Surfer just doesn't know who Strange is, which is really odd, obviously because they've had like all these crazy adventures together. Yeah, they're but, defenders. Yeah. It doesn't actually matter, though, because what's more important is Strange has misplaced his body, and it's nowhere to be found, and he's stru- stuck in his astral form. And as everyone knows, when you lose something, you've got to go to the last place you think you left it. And so Strange goes to a spooky castle with a giant skull for the door, which oh, right. makes sense if you're Stephen Strange. Oh, no. He, it's goes, very... to, he goes to Dr. Okay, Wily's castle. What's that true? Dr. Wily's castle, you know, Mega Man. Oh, man. <laughs> It totally is. I didn't even realize that. So he goes to <laughs> Wily's castle, and then while he's in there, the Alice in Wonderland references just kick into full gear. And I think the surreal nature of Alice in Wonderland really works well for Stephen Strange, but there's even points where Strange like calls out its like Lewis Carolosity, and that kind of is a little too on the nose. Um, yeah, he walks into a crazy tea party full of superheroes. Yeah, no, it's and it's so cool. There's just a full page dedicated to all of these heroes hanging out, being super drunk, but I guess they're only drinking tea, <laughs> which is all fine and good. And so Strange sees at the table his body just sitting motionlessly, and he just leaps right into it, and he's like, hey, sorry to be rude, but I'm going to peace out of this tea party. And then everyone's oh, like, oh, also, oh, I just want to list who's um, sitting at the, at the table with Dr. Strange's body here. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's Spider-Man, Namor, the Incredible Hulk, the Black Panther, but he's passed out, Nick Fury, Ant-Man, who's also passed out. Or, like, no, Ant-Man's tiny and, like, sleeping up against a teapot. It's adorable. Yeah. There's just a hand, but from what I've done in research, apparently that's the hand of, of Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern. <laughs> You can see the ring on his ha- on his finger, but it's not colored in, but it's like a white-gloved hand. Then there's Hawkeye. Wait, they put the Green Lantern in a Marvel comic? Yeah, that's why it's just his hand. Word. That's a... Okay. And then uh, Captain Midnight, who's another guy who's passed out. And so some of these guys make sense, right? Like Namor and the Hulk, those guys are defenders, so obviously they'd probably... You know, they're friends of Doctor Strange, they'd probably be there. Um, And you could maybe... Oh, yeah. Hawkeye, too, because Hawkeye was a defender during the uh, Defenders Avengers War. And then some of them are sort of tangentially connected, like 
Spider-Man's kind of connected to Doctor Strange because they're both co-created by Steve Ditko. And Nick Fury's kind of related because they were both in Strange Tales together and stuff. But I have no idea why Black Panther's here, why Ant-Man's here, why they're alluding to a Green Lantern, and why Captain Midnight here. Captain Midnight isn't even a real like Marvel superhero. He's some dude from the 50s that's like a public domain superhero. Well, they, they put in all of the Marvel characters they had, and then they just had to put in those last two. I guess so. <laughs> it's just very, it's, it's very weird. But anyhow, I'm sorry. Let's get no, back to it. No, it's all good. <laughs> so Strange is about to roll out when the Queen shows up, and it's actually just Valkyrie. Well, not real Valkyrie. It's one of these like figments of his imagination, Valkyrie, in this weird alternate reality thing, the Orb of Agumado land. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Strange tries to politely offer, like, decline the offer for tea, and Hulk and the rest of the crew just freak out, and they decide to kill Doctor Strange. (laughs) But that doesn't even pretend to work at all. Strange is setting off all sorts of magical flashbangs and teleporting around the castle, tricking the heroes into attacking, like, his shadow clones. And the fight even ends with, with Strange blasting them all out of the side of the castle with a massive explosion. (laughs) <laughs> and when the strange looks out into the sky, he sees the soul eater has like regained consciousness and he knows that they're not even real superheroes, but if something were to happen to them, he'd feel really bad when Valkyrie's all of a sudden like, yeah, don't worry about them. None of us really exist. We don't have souls with which to be eaten. So you're the really only the one in trouble. You're the only one that, you know, has can die. And with that, he, something sort of clicks in him and he realizes that like he is just, escaping death and like that's what he needs to be looking for is is death that's going to be his way out essentially and now that he realizes that all of the like fake heroes in the comic also realize that and so he's able to take the pegasus that valkyrie has just wholly stolen from the black knight and fly off into the center of the orb of agamotto also uh during this discussion straight oh sorry but um, meanwhile, Clea has been watching what's going on. At least I think. I, they don't really explain it. As far as yeah. I can tell, like, Silver Dagger might just be sitting there telling Clea stories about the stuff that he saw, which is just so weird. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, he's doing weird, like, things to, like, intimidate and deprogram her and stuff. So he's like, uh, he's going to seek death, and that means he's going to die, too. So you better give up and just give in to my deprogramming of you and stuff. Yeah, Totally. And that leads us into the second issue of Doctor Strange, number three, from September 1974, Amidst the Madness. Uh, New dialogue is by Steve Englehart. Frank Brunner and Alex Weiss did the new art. Tom Orzakowski did the lettering, and Jan Brunner was the colorist. And on this note, the comic also mentions it contains the works of Stan Lee and Steve Ditko at their greatest. So (laughs) you hear that, guys? Everything you've done past this point is total garbage. Ah, oh, burn. Um, at least that's what this comics thinks. I don't feel that way. I love the cameos, but yeah, I, yeah. So this is another reprint comic like Marvel Premiere number eleven from la- fr- fr- from last episode or from two episodes ago, I guess. Um, I wanted to include this one just because in that episode I talked about Catherine Ironwood, who also edited like Miracle Man and stuff, and she talked about classic Doctor Strange issues that. It was clear they weren't making deadlines, so they included a big reprint. And in that one, she said that it was like Doctor Strange would be on a white horse looking for the Ancient One's ego. Well, last episode, we had the Doctor Strange's 
we had the Ancient Ones ego, I should say, and this issue we have Doctor Strange on the horse. So I just <laughs> yeah, wanted to have those definitely. two specific issues called out. But this one is just a reprint of the first Dormammu saga. Yeah, and I think that like with the giant size defenders, I was really kind of bummed out because they were just three comics almost seemingly picked at random and then included in this like jumble and they had no coherence to the story they didn't build on any of the, the backstories of the characters really they were so out of place but so to have dr strange's like flashback actually be a really big moment in the comic i will kind of cut them some slack for it plus it's the first time he met um clea and since this storyline is kind of about their relationship it makes a little bit more sense right right it, it's still kind of in a, in a comic immediately following this one they have some sort of like references to the past where they will repurpose art in like new uh structures but in this one it's literally just like oh here's the comic control paste like absolutely but so yeah i like you were saying this is the battle with dr dr strange versus dormammu for the first time it's also back when clea didn't have a name so the objectification is super bad because she can be used as like a prize for a battle but she can't even have some personality at all it's kind of a bummer and i can totally understand why you just revealed her name like right out the gate i just Uh, want to be able to refer to her i just wanted to be able to refer to her as something besides like the white-haired woman or something like that you know or girl with the strange hair which she has here oh yeah her hair is super like horny here like horn like i mean or something (laughs) yeah i so we've talked about this where he fights dormammu and then the two of them have to team up to fight the Endless Ones. And so then because Dormammu gets mindless saved ones, by yeah. Strange's... The Mindless Ones, sorry. Because he gets saved by Strange's power, he's now in some sort of Wookiee life debt to Strange. Yep. And, and uh, that's pretty much it for the comic. I, I really like some, some of the old Steve Ditko art. You know, clearly he really paved the way for a lot of this stuff. But I gotta say, like, Frank Brunner, in comparison, is like... I'll just say that Frank Brunner is able to see Wicked Far standing on the shoulders of these giants. Yeah. And uh, that's the whole zine. Well, well, there's yeah, there, there's two things I want to point out here. Because this flashback is convenient just for actually the next episode of this podcast, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, one is there's this big red monster guy with a bunch of arms and one big eye that like scans Doctor Strange. And that thing is going to be a big monster in the next couple issues. Like the next thing episode, really cool, but it was just like a door. Yeah, it's lame now, but it gets a little cooler. Also, there's one dude making a cameo in this issue. <laughs> there's this little henchman guy that like wears yellow clothes, is like purple armor, including a big like triangular helmet kind of thing. Uh, just keep that dude in mind; he'll show up later. But... That's so funny because I actually, in reading this comic, they mentioned like Dormammu banishes all of his like. Uh, assistants or helper g- villains to mm-hmm. an alternate dimension, like a prison or something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to release you guys until I beat Strange. And just as like someone who's reading this, I'm like, oh, those poor guys. They're going to be stuck there forever. <laughs> I mean, he figures it out. But, you know, he's got to show he's evil by, by, by killing his own dudes. That's sort of how you do it. Yeah, pretty much. All right, but, 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 but let's move on here. Definitely. So we are now on Doctor Strange... Issue number four from October 1974, where boundaries decay. Steve Englehart is the author. Frank Brunner is the artist. Dick Giordano inks. 
Tom Orr's lettering, L. Lesserman, color, Dave Thomas, editor. I'm pretty sure Dave Thomas, Thomas is. Oh, right. I'm thinking of the Wendy's guy. And I, I, I just want to point out that the cover on this issue is really freaking rad. It's yeah, so, man. This entire comic is so metal. It's awesome. I'm, yeah, the, the cover is this big skull with like green stuff in its green uh, lights in its eyes. Its mouth open wide and Doctor Strange falling into the skull's mouth. Yeah, and there's even like a, a part in the in issue number two where Strange is t- where it finally dawns on him that he's been avoiding death, and like the the page where it just says like death in these crazy bold letters, and like he is like mid center oh, yeah, of, would... of the word, surrounded yeah, by everyone. Yeah, that panel so is awesome. really really awesome. Yeah, there's I... the, like the skull and this crazy um op art like optical illusion art on it and stuff like that. It's pretty dope. Yeah, I. I'm so glad that they pulled Frank Brenner away from doing like album covers for Dio so that he could work on this comic <laughs> because it is amazing. And it goes so perfectly with the story of Strange battling death. So yeah. I was just going to say, so following the flashback last issue, we start this one off with a quick recap of his <laughs> battle with Silver Dagger and how he escaped into the Orb Agimato. But in that panel, they're not snakes like drawing him in. They're like tentacle things. Um, and... He's on a journey through America McGee's Doctor Strangeland in Wonder Alice. (laughs) (laughs) And now Strange is racing towards the center of the orb to finally face off with death, which is what leads us into Strange and the Domain of the Dying. So right away in the Domain of the Dying, we meet up with Famine, who is accompanied by War and Pestilence in the background. But Famine does the whole, Turn back! Abandon all hope, ye who enter! Don't go down that road. Nobody's lived in that house for 300 years kind of thing. Yeah. But Strange doesn't care. I like how they don't. It's Or I'm of two minds. Like I think it's kind of interesting that Famine is definitely got like war and pestilence or whatever next to him. But those two guys don't really introduce themselves. It's just, just Famine. They could only afford the rights for Famine. So <laughs> he gets all the lines. I guess so. So in... In this domain of the dying, of this city of death, Strange is just surrounded by all these people who are trying to kill themselves, and they're just begging Strange for for him to, to kill them. And something that is so good about the art in this comic is that it shows Strange with such intense emotion of, like, anguish and sorrow, and it really, it just seals the deal on everything. Um, and, yeah, like, this guy asks this... So, like, no one can, it, it's this town where no one can die. It's like if you guys saw that one uh, Jim Henson Presents episode where the guy catches Heck death yes, in, I did. in the bag and then no one can die. And it turns out that, like, not being able to die is actually not that cool because sometimes people are seriously injured and stuff. I just and want so, to say, Connor, yeah. I love the fact that you didn't go to the mythical story where they capture death, but you went instead to the Muppets television show version because that totally grocks with me. That's where I saw it first, Duncan. I don't know what to tell you. Same here. <laughs> but so, like, this guy jumps out of a window right in front of Doctor Strange and, like, lands and is all messed up. Like, his arms are bent in weird directions and stuff. And he and he begs Doctor Strange to kill him. Like, have mercy! End my torment! Kill me! Like and, Doctor Strange, and Doctor Strange looks at him and he doesn't want to and like the look of like anguish on Doctor Strange's face that he he couldn't kill him if he wanted to is a really cool piece of art I think. No, yeah, he's so distraught. It's such a fantastic panel that like evokes uh, such emotion. 
that uh, Doctor Strange must be feeling at that point. Yeah, because he's the you know he's a superhero and he's sort of you know like so many he's made to, uh, made a vow to never kill and stuff. But this is really sort of calling him on that and sort of making him think about like the nature of life and death and stuff in a way that you usually don't get in sort of your average comic. I think. Yeah, like every other Strange issue that we've gotten, Strange has just been sort of able to turn on a switch and fix the problem, whether it's flying around the world or, you know, blowing up a house with his magical abilities. It's just been so easy for him. So now to see him, like, actually struggling, it it allows us to connect with the character way better, or at least for, for me, especially in this, like, rad metal hellscape. Yeah, it definitely gives you a sense of the stakes that, like... This isn't something that Doctor Strange sort of knows how to do from his training and stuff. It's something where he's got to figure out new answers and, as we'll see, kind of make real sacrifices that develop him as a character and make him just not sort of a, I know how to do this automatically kind of thing. Which I also like about Doctor Strange, but it's good to have other, ver- you know, other ways of, of, of getting to it, you know? Exactly. So, moving on, Strange finds the center of town, which is turns out to be the center of the Orb of the Agamotto, and there's all these people begging, clamoring for death around there, trying to follow Strange as he escapes and to die themselves, but he just goes through and no one else is able to follow him, so sucks for them, I guess. <laughs> so, he comes out and he's just walking through like a no-nonsense cave with Aragon, the, the Pegasus, when all of a sudden everything just falls away from him and he dives through these increasingly psychedelic rifts and out into the endless majesty of space and hot dog everything looks so incredible there's like a multitude of planets and stars that fill the scene while these intense meteors race past and one such meteor actually jumps and gently bumps the hoof of the fake aragon pegasus and it is instantly vaporized into bones. Yeah, he's just riding a bone horse. It's so cool. It's so it cool. So cool. <laughs> yeah, and then it immediately sort of just like loses its form and falls away. And in front of Strange is the towering skull of death. And now that Strange is out of the orb of the Agamotto, he is no longer protected from his mortal wounds. And death has come to collect. Also, I'll have you know that in my notes, death every time is written in full capital letters, <laughs> just, you know, to, to commit to that sort of uh, canon. Yeah, and it's cool because death's, um, all his word bubbles are square, which is kind of an interesting touch. Yeah, he's, a, he's definitely a separate entity. Um, so Strange tries to attack death, but obviously that doesn't work. You cannot kill one of the Endless. That's their whole deal. <laughs> and then... Strange, being a big enough man to realize when he's beaten, he just starts booking it in the opposite direction. And he doesn't even run that far when he comes across the, this hole in space that's the shape of eternity. Yeah, he's back. Yeah, sort of. Well, he's not back, and it's actually good that he's not. Because <laughs> this is just where eternity is supposed to be, but he's MIA. Mm-hmm. And wasting no time, Strange just hurls himself into the void that eternity has left. And he's able to heal his wounds while he's inside there. And he's out of death's reach. Because, I guess, Eternity is this creature that was made by man. And death has no power over it. But right, Because death is about things coming to an end, right? And Eternity is the opposite of that. It's continuing on forever. Exactly. But So when I say that death can't mess with him, he really can. He starts messing with the void. 
and is trying to like squeeze Strange out, which is not really working too well. And then Death is throwing this void that has Strange in it like all over the galaxy. It's like crashing into planets. He's throwing laser blasts or space blasts, you know, the patented Death laser beam ability. And Strange, during all of this, finally comes to terms with his own mortality. Yeah, he, oh, he also, he also, sorry, I just want to say, he also taunts him with the imminent death of Clea at the hands of the Silver Dagger. You're right, it's so cool. There's one of those shots where it's Clea's face, and then the very next shot is just the skull, and like some, just like, Clea's hair, but it's all just sort of wild, and it looks yeah. so cool. It's the first and only comic book jump scare. <laughs> um, so, Strange realizes, like, if he stays inside of Eternity, he'll be safe. But he will also leave Clea to die. He can't do that. So even if it means coming to terms with his own death, he has to do something. And there's this really awesome shot when he's coming to terms and he's finally willing to face death. And he, his form grows and it fills the void of the void. And at that moment, he is able to... Well, he, he takes over the entire... A space that was left by eternity and it's a really amazing picture i was really blown away with that and with that act the universe just falls away death itself is destroyed and it's pulling all of the surrounding planets out of existence with him and strange is now completely alone like that donald duck cartoon where <laughs> or daffy uh, daffy D duck daffy duck oh my goodness <laughs> well yeah where he I fights think. the cartoonist with like the pencil and stuff Exactly. So he's just in a completely blank void. And all of a sudden, the Ancient One appears. And it turns out it was all a test. Oh, Thank come goodness. on. Nope, it was a test. <laughs> there was no danger or risk at all. And for Strange's uh, reward, he totally gets the gift of eternal life, which is a good get for yeah, that's just a, good a one. test. I think there was yeah. danger, so, I gotta say. I think it's that he he passed it because he was able to, like understand that death is a part of life and there's nothing to fear from death and all that sort of philosophical stuff that sort of isn't that big a deal when you actually are then immortal <laughs> yeah and you know we were talking about how there's the downsides to living forever but I think that if I had boundless magical potential I would be pretty stoked yeah I wouldn't have the to other... pay rent that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> the other big thing is that besides being immortal now Doctor Strange gets this ability where we're like he he's ageless not immortal right like he can't die of old age he yeah. can live to be like the only 500 way he can die is in combat yeah and so now whenever he's in danger of being killed physically like an onk will appear on his forehead as like a danger zone that kind of thing so yeah so that'll always happen or at least <laughs> it'll happen when the writers remember to do it in the future <laughs> I, I really thought like that they were giving him this permanent mark on his forehead and I was like that's not going to last like even in an issue because they don't explain its like whole power very well yeah it's a weird thing but it it will happen like you know he gets his onk on his forehead it'll show it'll be like it, it'll only be there for a panel every once in a while where it's like ah oh, I'm in danger I can feel my onk appear on my forehead like ooh <laughs> so that's the end of issue number four which leads yeah. us into dr strange issue number five from december 1974 yeah, cloak time for a showdown you gotta wrap it out with a pun you know because strange has the cloak and then 
Silver Dagger has the you guys you guys get it. Get guys, so Cloak and Dagger, so you, they're not in this oh issue. Oh my god, they're, they're they're not in this <laughs> issue, guys. What are you what are you doing? Yeah. So when they there take Silk, yeah, they're true. referring to <laughs> Stephen Strange, and then the part of the comic that says Dagger is referring to Silver Dagger almost directly. And there will plenty of of Cloak and Dagger action later on in the podcast. I assure you. Oh, okay. no doubt, no doubt. So Steve Englehart in this one is the author and still co-plotter with Frank Brunner, who is the artist as well. Dick Giordano, inks, just that. Orzakowski, lettering. Monto, color. Thomas, edits. It's really, really brief. I really think Dick Giordano has started like a revolution. (laughs) So, in this one, it begins with Clea left in the hands of the madman Silver Dagger, and she is in a bad way. She's like sleep-deprived, she's beaten, she's hungry, and worst of all, She's being forced to listen to Silver Dagger's origin story. It's inhuman. Uh, yeah, this part needs a content warning. It's pretty intense, actually. Yeah. He, like, grabs her by her hair horns and stuff. Like, I don't like it very much. No, it's... I get it. She's a prisoner, but, like, there's a lot of stuff that's just super inappropriate, and, and you realize that they're getting away with it because, you know, it was a comic from the 70s, like, early 70s, and that was back way before people started, like really speaking up about this sort of thing. Well, I mean, people have always talked about it, but, but not too often have people been listening, I guess. Yeah, I just think it's that everybody's clothed and sort of whatever, so there's just it's just menace. It's not actual, like, violence, I guess. Mm, yeah, but he yeah. is being super violent, and going back to his backstory, yeah. it's, like, lifted wholesale from old kung fu movies. So, <laughs> Daggers, he's in the Vatican, climbing that holy ladder, rubbing elbows, trying to get that Pope spot, and so he, I guess he wants to change the Bible or make up new hymns or something. I don't know. And even the current Gen Pope is on board. But it turns out that everyone else doesn't feel the same way. So he gets passed over. <laughs> and I got to say, OG Pope looks super weird. His head is like engulfed in this giant head wrap. And it's got this bronze cross emblem on it. And, yeah. Oh, and last but not least... His face, face looks like it's melting from off from his skull. Like the dude mm-hmm. was like checking out the Ark of the Covenant or something. The guy is yeah. missing teeth. I don't understand why he's missing teeth, but he's missing teeth. He's old, yeah. man. He's, but he's, he's, he's old, but he's not melting. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know enough about like this old school Catholic stuff to be able to have an answer one way or another. I do think it's weird that there's so much that this Vatican is so red. Like everybody's got red robes and purple robes and stuff. The color scheme seems off from the Vatican that I've seen just sort of on TV and stuff and, like, what the Pope looks like and what he's dressed like and things like that. I just want to say, like, I've never... Wait, a Pope is for a life job. Never mind. I was going to say, we've never seen any, like, former Popes. Yes, we have. It's not a conspiracy. That's just how their system works. Yep. (laughs) But so 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 Silver Dagger's been passed over for the papacy. And, you know, he does what everybody does when they're passed over for the papacy. He goes to research the devilish and the darkish arts. To get revenge. Sweet, sweet revenge. That's what you do. Always. Yeah. 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 Also, Pope 2.0 kind of looks like Larry King, which is just insult to injury. Yeah, I think that might actually be like Pope John or something like that, or John Paul one oh. or something like that. I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna speak authoritatively on Catholic stuff. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. So the dagger spends seven days reading everything he can, and on the final day he learns Ray of Light, which is just like a level one evocation spell, and nobody should be impressed by that. But he gets in his head that he's both too hot to handle while simultaneously being too cold to hold. 
So oh he just, man, he's a silver <laughs> dagger and he's in control. <laughs> so he drops out of God School and he goes on a journey to train under masters of the dark arts so he can destroy them, thus furthering the work of the Lord. Yeah, and it is very kung fu. Like he learns all of the all of the mystic masters secrets and then he kills them. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Like, I know that when you become the master of anything, you are just setting yourself up to be killed by the hand of your, you know, apprentice. But you always hope that it's not someone who's just doing it out of, like, petty spite. And so it's got to be a colossal bummer for all of these dudes. Well, they forgot the lesson that I learned, Duncan, when I learned the uh, 47 killing arts. My master knew, knew 48 killing arts, but he only taught me 47. So that way he had one in his back pocket that I didn't know that, that he could use on me, you know? Yeah, that's the rule. You teach them everything they know, not everything you know. Yeah, these guys are amateurs and didn't, uh, w- weren't able to protect themselves. That's why, as opposed to more superior mystic masters, like the ancient one, who didn't give Silver Dagger the time of day. Exactly. And so Clea, at this point, has, seems to have fallen asleep because Silver Dagger's story is so boring. Super boring. And I, at I the same pr- time, really our hero, Stephen Strange, just apparates out of the orb of Agamotto, and it looks super cool. His forms are like all loose and wild. His eyes are like uneven and like looking all these different directions, like a chameleon. And we even see one of like one shot from his point of view, and it's all sort of messed up. And like, I mean, they were definitely they've they know what acid looks like. I'm just gonna say, <laughs> uh, yes, that is factual. <laughs> <laughs> so. Strange is struggling to get a grip of reality and he's flying through the underground and he comes across his body, which he just immediately dives into. But bad move, because it would turn out that he just jumped into the headless wax statue from a couple episodes ago. (laughs) And so Strange headlessly stumbles into the room where there's Clea and Silver Dagger and it totally scares the whiz out of Silver Dagger. And I'm not kidding. He he thinks this is one of Clea's tricks and he like easily cleaves through the statue and then he says, well, Nature calls, and he just wanders off. Like, oh, my see, God. I, I told you, he's not kidding. Like, <laughs> he, he just excuses himself. He, it's so random. He's just talking, going on this tirade. He cuts through Stephen Strange's wax body, and then he's just like, well, gotta pee. Time for me to, like, conveniently go stage left, even. L- listen, I know that whenever I cut a wax dummy in half, I almost immediately get the urge to relieve myself. <laughs> It's a Pavlovian response that we've still not figured out the origin of. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) So, Clea senses that the spirit of Stephen Strange is within the wax sculpture, and she touches it, and immediately Strange is able to merge his spirit into her, and when he does that, the two just start helping each other heal. Clea provides a uh, a grounded grasp on his mental plane, and Strange provides an increase in strength, and now, with the two in unison... Clay is able to free herself from her chains and she just flies out. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's actually a, like very competent and strong Clea here, which is nice because usually she's kind of a dams she's kind of a damsel in distress or someone who Doctor Strange just sort of holds back all the time. Definitely. It is weird though when she flies out of the the sewer, they just start running. Like she doesn't continue to fly. I guess she's like still kind of weak or something mm-hmm. from from the the whole ordeal. So She's booking it back to the Sanctum Sanctorum, and Silver Dagger is chasing after them, but he's momentarily delayed because some guy asks him for the change for some change in the alley, 
And Dagger obviously had to take the time to laser blast him. <laughs> now, they cut back to the apartment, and Strange immediately jumps into his body, which uh, Silver Dagger... Oh, they Strange jumps into his body, and they wait for Silver Dagger to arrive at the apartment. Well, Clea and Strange wait for Silver Dagger to arrive in the apartment. They make Wong leave the room, because he doesn't know any magic, and it would be like way too dangerous for him, which... I feel so bad for him. He keeps getting beaten up. He's like an eternal third wheel. He was supposed to be an apprentice and learn magic. And he even... He's the one who just left Strange's body, like, unburied. Because he noticed that there was something weird about it. Because it wasn't, like, decomposing or anything. Yeah. This guy is, like, so dedicated. And he only gets beaten up. And that's his whole lot in life. I mean... Eventually, like Wong has his moments, moments in the sun as time goes by. I just want to, I just, I, I just want to put it out there. But you are right that he's mostly just there to get beaten up in these early comics for sure. Definitely. But so Silver Dagger eventually shows up, and as soon as he enters the room, he sees Stephen Strange, and he immediately like throws his dagger at him, and they just get into like a contest of like one upsmanship. So like Strange dodges the dagger, then Dagger himself shoots a laser blast, and Strange creates a force field, and then finally Silver Dagger unleashes a blast from the Eye of Agamotto, but Clea and Strange team up and turn the eye to focus on Dagger, and it's really really awesome because at that point, Clea makes a comment about how having unified their spirits, Clea is now stronger as a result of that, and so she is able to help with just diverting the attention of the eye. Yeah. And so Strange drops a major bomb on Dagger. He thinks of magic as something to control, but it's more its own force, and you have to learn to work with it. He even says, like, oh, you are learned, but I am knowledgeable. Or no, you are a man of learning, whereas I am a man of knowledge. And it's just like, damn. (laughs) And so, as though that weren't enough, the Eye of Vagimato now shows the Silver Dagger who is the distant cousin of Silver Surfer and Silver Samurai. The folly of his ways. I don't know if that's canonically correct, Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> but it's really cool because they actually reveal truth to S-Dagger. And yeah. he realizes that everything he's been doing has been wholly wrong. <laughs> and he even yeah, admits it. They, they totally like, uh, penance stare him like Ghost yeah. Rider style. And it's awesome. This is so good that it doesn't it, it just feels better that, like, he was convinced of what is right and not he was being forced to change who he was based on, like, some mind wipe. And I thought that that was really great. And on top of that, following the the knowledge drop, he gets sucked inside the Eye of Agamotto where he gets to be best friends with Mr. Caterpillar. And it's there's this really adorable shot with them, like, sitting on toadstools together just chopping it up. And they are, like, straight-up buddies. They both enjoy, they mentioned that they enjoy each other's conversation. And and so that actually wraps it up with it, or wraps up the comic. And I just got to say, there's like three things that happened in this comic that, or this whole arc that I was so happy with. First of mm-hmm. all, they, they established that magic takes like dedication to utilize. And it's not just some sort of gift that you can be given. It shows that there's like real effort behind what Dr. Stephen Strange is doing. And it makes his character like... When he goes to space and he just turns off the sun or something like that, you know that he's doing that because he has intense control now. And it's not just because he's a magic dude or something. It adds like <laughs> that sort of depth to him. 
yeah. on top of that, like I already mentioned, Dagger isn't mind wiped for a victory. He's shown the truth, and he he realizes the folly in his ways. And then the third thing is, Clea and Strange they truly needed each other to defeat Silver Dagger in this comic. It wasn't something that one person helped the other do, and it it really develops the two in this struggle together, and they grow closer, and and they just grow as characters. And uh, last thing to note is that the comic artist I mostly idolize really break away from the rigid panel structure yeah. uh, of the normal shots. And so in this comic, they do things really crazy. Like the, they have really free flowing, like yeah, uh, the panel structure in, in all these Dr. Strange comics are super crazy. Like it's full of all these like non parallelogram squares and diagonal lines and stuff that just throughout the whole series, and I think it's actually one of the really defining things about the Doctor Strange, that's like the Doctor Strange style almost, is this sort of, it's not just like a four by four grid or something like that. It's this really unique, crazy, kind of tilted um, panel style. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. And that's something that I was just immediately drawn to because I just love something that, that really engages you visually like that. And that's how Silver Dagger didn't die and made a caterpillar buddy. The end. <laughs> yeah. We'll see Doc Silver Dagger back in a couple years, and he kind of comes back periodically. He's a good sort of mid, like like tier two Doctor Strange villain, I'd say. He's still a villain, though? That's kind of weird. Oh, yeah. it's We'll see, you know. Okay. I'll wait. Cool. So what are your nominations for the Strangies, Duncan? Definitely. I have to give best writer and artist to Steve Englehart and Frank Brunner. This last arc was so good, and the art was just so metal. The story really developed multiple characters, not just Strange, to have more complexity, and I just love it. Even my favorite storyline is the battle against Death and Silver Dagger, because it's just, it's so cool to have Strange try and take on just a, a formless kind of concept that is death and and it and the art and the story just really play into it so nice yeah all around great my favorite villain is probably hawkeye (laughs) (laughs) just kidding forget you hawkeye it's totally mr rasputin's gun and i (laughs) I realize that just like with batman's villain scarface i recognize who or what is actually in control (laughs) and then my favorite whatever moment is 100 percent when Silver Dagger excuses himself to go make water. I laughed out loud when I read that. I, like, nearly figuratively died. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's take one last break, and we'll come back tomorrow for the conclusion to our 10th episode as we go through some exciting adventures with the Defenders. Till then, my name is Conrad, and for Duncan and Drew, may the Vashanti guide your path. (laughs) 